0: Okay. Welcome to Behind the Movement. Welcome to the podcast. I'm uh, excited you're you're listening, wherever you're at. Um, I've got a great conversation to share with you. This is episode number 45 with Mike Fitch. Hard to believe that um, uh, I've done 45 of these at this point. Um, it started as just a uh, looking to to reach out and and have some conversations and connect with people. It was, you know, at the beginning of the the lockdown-ish and, you know, we wanted to, I don't know, find people to to share some new ideas and, and hear their thoughts and approaches and all of a sudden fast forward and we're now 45 episodes in and there's a, I don't know, a rhythm and flow maybe to how the podcast goes. I don't know. But it's cool. I'm excited about it. Maybe we'll get to uh, 100. Maybe we'll go past that. We'll see. Um, anyway, like I said, I've got Mike Fitch on the podcast today. Um, we'll get to that in just a moment. Um, first thing, if uh, if you're picking up what I'm putting down and you want a little bit more of it, you can join the Movement Brooklyn online community by going to movementbrooklyn.com or members.movementbrooklyn.com I put up uh, tutorials on there I teach a weekly class through uh, that platform we're also welcoming drop-ins for the class so if you want to drop in for a class and not sign up as a member you can shoot an email over to info at movementbrooklyn.com um I'm also teaching a weekly class at Block 1750 in Boulder, Colorado. Um, so if you live in the area, stop on through. It's uh, every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. I think you can drop in on the class for like 15 bucks, um, but they also offer punch cards and memberships and all sorts of things. I'm sure you. that's all on the website, block1750.com. Um, and they also offer uh, a ton of other, other classes um, Including uh, Two classes a week With my guest on the podcast today So Let's get to that um, I had the privilege Of speaking with Mike Fitch uh, We got connected Through Block 1750 We were kind of crossing paths He was going in to take one class I was coming out of a class um, Our mutual friend Alex said, oh, you two should uh, chit chat a little bit. Um, so we connected, uh, we took a little walk together, grabbed some coffee, and uh, I invited him to be on the podcast and he, and he accepted the invitation. So um, I feel super privileged. If you don't know who Mike is, um, Mike is an innovative fitness educator and movement coach with 20 years of experience in the fitness industry He is the founder and creator of Animal Flow, which is a unique ground-based movement program that has certified more than 10,000 fitness professionals in 42 countries. He has also developed uh, multiple other skill-based bodyweight training programs, including the Bodyweight Athlete, and he is a highly sought-after presenter and content contributor. Um, I talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the conversation but I was uh, fortunate enough to get to take uh, Mike's class just before recording this um, so it was really at the front of my mind and uh, it was it was super cool and uh, as I said in there a rare experience to be taking a class with somebody who who created the system that they are teaching So um, yeah, it was really unique and and awesome experience. So again, if you're in the Colorado Boulder area, um, for the time being, he's teaching twice a week at Block 1750, a class on Monday morning, I think it's at 9.30, and then a class on Friday morning, which I believe is at 10.30 or 11.30. Mm, I could look it up real quick, but I think you should just go to block1750.com and look it up for yourself. Uh, Great. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to it. Here it is, my conversation with Mike Fitch. I got to go take your class, which was like a super treat. Um, I already said it to you in person, but I was like, um, I realized that I have never, I mean, I would have to really think about it, but I've never taken class with somebody who is teaching the thing that they invented which is like a whole nother experience. I don't know if you've ever had that, but it's a very unique thing when you're kind of like, and I don't know if I can put words on it, but when you're like with somebody and they're taking taking you through a process that they developed, it's almost like the delivery. I don't know, there's a different kind of connection to it. I don't know if that's something you've ever experienced with like people you've taken classes with.
1: So maybe not classes as much as workshops, So I've Mm -hmm. certainly taken workshops with the creator of a system or methodology. And it's, it it is, it's it's such a treat, man. I mean, it's really nice to hear it from the person that, you know, in one way or another, it's, it's their life's work or at least a chapter of their life and they know it arguably better than anybody else. So it feels super intuitive to them. It feels, you know, like it's innately comfortable to them. Mm -hmm. And so you know even in that scenario or let's say even with our instructors when when they're like oh you you do that really well <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah well one i've had 10 years and like two i'm kind of the guy that came up with the thing so so i i would hope that i would at least be pretty good at it or at least decent at it yeah <laughs> but man to, to to add on to what you're saying kyle one really great having you brother in class thank you for coming that was such a great class like just the The vibe in there, the energy in there was incredible. Um, But dude, for me to be able to teach classes again, and I'm not just saying because of COVID, but I'm just saying because for the majority of the time that I've been involved with Animal Flow, I've been teaching certification workshops. I haven't taught a normal group fitness style class where anyone can come in since I first started. I mean, we're talking, you know, eight to nine years ago. has it been since i've had a regular class so to now have two classes a week at block with people in person it's like it blows my mind and it just gets me so high man it gets me so amped for for the entire day if not for days at a time
0: i mean i could like feel that like i felt like and maybe this is just how you are in general but like when i when i walked in i don't know there was like almost like a giddiness to like how you were you're like oh man like we're guys, we're going to like do this together. It's awesome. And like, you know, like the, the passion transcends into other like fun things that like people don't even maybe realize that like make it special. And you can tell that the person is psyched. Like there was a moment where you were demonstrating something and you were kind of like making some noises to like go with the movements. And I was like, to me, that was like, oh, this is that excitement. That's that like energy of being like, I'm just so stoked to be like giving it, like to be doing this with you right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and man, it's you're you're so right. It's it's I had this thing I want to share with you, and and it's you know, it, uh when I first started teaching the system and was and first started teaching the certification workshops, I would quite often have people that would that would say that afterwards they were like you know it's it's almost intoxicating like the energy you know it's like it's like we we feel like we're all part of this thing with you and you're just as excited as we are to be here and it's. You know, and it, it really does make it an experience of like, wow, we're, we're, we're covering new ground or we're like, you know, finding something new within ourselves through each other. And uh, I think over the years, as you do, as I became, um, I guess I could say more polished at being a presenter, I maybe didn't let as much of that show. So, you know, I would I knew the curriculum that we were going through. I would need to make sure that I would do my best job at presenting and delivering the information. And maybe some of that passion gets muted slightly. So to be in just this, we have one hour together, you have experience, you don't, you've never seen this before, you know something that's very similar and we're just gonna all have this great time and we're gonna pack it into one hour experience. Man, it's just, it's just a totally different thing.
0: Yeah, was it always the plan? And maybe I'm making you rewind your memory to almost a year ago now. But was it always the plan to begin teaching on some sort of regular basis again? Or is that something that kind of came out of, you know, COVID and how things have unfolded?
1: So it was the plan. And just to to give a little backstory, I moved to Boulder about two and a half years ago. And while I had decided, once I decided to move here, it was the goal to actually open headquarters or to build the animal flow headquarters here and with that intention came you know there we had already planned that once the headquarters was built that we would offer some regular classes so there would be a class schedule and especially during the beginning i would i would have definitely taught those classes personally uh which the headquarters is still in the works we just got pushed back a little bit as things do so for me to then come into block and i'm talking about block 1750 the local dance studio Um, to be able to teach there, that wasn't the intention, but it just fit. It just made sense. Like, you know, you know how Alex is when I say Alex, the owner, he's just such an incredible dude. And he is his vision of movement and his like geekiness and giddiness to use a word that you used earlier is so it's like, he just wants all the movement all the time. And he wants to explore with everybody. And, you know, he and I clicked very early on. I when I first moved to to uh, Boulder, I went to one of his classes and I loved it. And I hadn't done breakdancing. I hadn't practiced breakdancing since before I had started creating Animal Flow. And I was never good at it by any means, but it was something that I really enjoyed and it was a big inspiration for creating Animal Flow. So to go in and take his class, he's such a great teacher. Then you know we kind of lost contact as I was putting my roots in Boulder. And then uh, he came to an Animal Flow workshop he really, really got into animal flow. We continued our, to build our friendship. And then it just started making sense for, you know, as the opportunity came up for me to start teaching regular classes, I was like, man, let's do this for a month. And then let's see what happens. And now it's like, I'm going to teach indefinitely. I'm, be, I'm definitely going to teach there twice a week until we build the headquarters here in Boulder.
0: It's so cool. And it's like, um, as you said, like the, Alex and the block and everything, like getting to like start teaching there instead of like jumping into just like your own space it's all of a sudden there's like this it's this group of people who kind of drift around that space where i don't know it's like a a martial arts school where like the vibe trickles down from the top so Mm. like the the vibe that kind of comes from the top of like i'm so interested in all the things from my perspective and in my short you know uh, intro into the block in the more, you know, like the last month and a half or two months, you start to feel that with everybody there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who are just like, yeah, like, give me some of that. Let me taste this too. So it's an interesting place to like, you know, and probably an exciting place to 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 be starting teaching on a regular basis again, because then you do get a lot of like, oh, you've got some dancers, then you've got some like yeah. more fitnessy people. And then you have people who are just kind of like open to a few different things and they're, every, you know, they're people who want to, like I say, kind of take taste.
1: Yeah. And that is the, you know, that is one of the great and odd things about movement communities is that they can often be so segregated in a way that's like, Oh no, it's only this style here, or it's only this methodology. And if you do this, then you can't do that. which is so incredibly bizarre to me on so many levels, but, there's certainly, there's none of that at the block. It's, oh, if you like this, you're definitely going to like this. And have you tried this? This is really great because it complements this. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it should be. That's 100% the way it should be. And you're right. That comes from the top.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that this kind of almost comes back around to how we met in one of our first con- or our first longer conversation. But we met, um, well, first, You know, Rafe had mentioned you. And then I met Alex and Alex mentioned you. And I was like, well, these are two pretty good references. I hope I like cross paths with this person. I think I sent you a message over Instagram about doing the podcast. And then it must've been like a day or two after I sent you the message. I was at the block to take a break dancing class. My class was ending. You were about to walk in and I'm going to blow up your spot. um, And you, and, 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 you know, show how, how diverse your, your is. You were on your way in, I think to like a contemporary dance class. Um, and, and Alex stopped both of us and was like, Oh, Hey, like you guys, you guys should meet. And it was just a quick little, like, hello, how are you? And I left just thinking to myself, like, man, this dude created a system and it's super successful and could just like kick back on that and ride that wave to, you know, the end. And it would be amazing, but it's like, Oh, you know what? I, I need to continue my like uh my research and my exploration so i guess i'm i'm saying it because i think it, it, it it's super interesting to me because it, it it shows that you kind of walk the walk in terms of what you mm. were just saying about like hey like every it, 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 there's no one thing but i am guess i'm curious like is that something you've always had in you or was there a moment where you're like oh like i i've gotten very committed to something i want to make sure i keep my my branches out there
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that was, that was a cool day. So just to go back, since you, you laid a lot of groundwork there, just to go back. It was funny because you had sent me that message the day before. So you sent me the, the invite to be on your podcast the day before the next day we're crossing paths. And Alex was like, Hey, this is Kyle. And then you're like, I sent you a message yesterday about the podcast. I was like, Oh shit. 1 super cool that Boulder is so small like that that we just got to run into each other um 2 you're 100% right i was on my way into a contemporary dance intensive and 3 i i've always been that way as far as my exploration of movement and you know the great thing about block or or you know this past year and a half i should say it's really given me the freedom to get back into that mindset of like, yeah, let's go and let's explore everything again, because why not? And I'm always such a huge advocate of like, let's go and be novice at things. Let's go and allow ourselves to be bad. Let's go to the thing that we're not already comfortable at and not already good at. Because when we just get stuck in that cycle of like, going to the thing that makes us feel strong, going to the thing that makes us feel successful, Then we are seriously limiting our growth at that point. You know, I mean, we yes, we can specifically train a you know a certain skill and get deeper and deeper into it, which is great. But why not see if you can combine that pursuit with also exposing yourself to multiple challenges, multiple forces, multiple different um, approaches to movement? And that's you know that's what this past year and a half has definitely been for me. It's it's going back and allowing myself to just get uncomfortable and to uh, embrace the suck, as my friend Ryan Hurst likes to say. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, just go back and and, and explore everything. And I, I do have to say though, to, to add to that, like dance is something that's always been in my experience of my life. And I don't mean that personally. When I was growing up, my mother was a dancer and a dance teacher. And so it was just, you know, I just remember being a kid And I would be in her classes sometimes just watching and watching people move and watch people learn different styles of dance. So it's always been in my world, but it hasn't really been until the last couple of years that I've been able to have the freedom to explore so many different styles of dance. And man, Kyle, like, whoa, whoa. it just what that does. It just really ignites me like it really just it, it makes me feel super passionate about learning to inhabit my body in so many different ways versus going towards the thing that I know.
0: Mm. Do you find, because this is something that I, this is like one of my theories, but I think that the, and, and because animal flow has such a powerful presence in the fitness world, so you still have kind of like a hand into that world. Do you find that the fitness world kind of plays to this like addiction to competence and that the people who kind of stay in the fitness bubble almost gravitate towards like oh what's the thing that like makes me that 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 like I said that I'm not a white belt at like that I'm you know it 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 doesn't do the same thing as like the dance car- culture or the martial arts culture that mm-hmm. that there's a little bit of like a you know well let me just stay in my like comfort lane a little bit. Like, do you, do you find that from like, kind of, like I said, still having a hand in the fitness world in that way?
1: Yeah. I mean, and (laughs) definitely. Let me start that over again. I, uh, uh,
0: yes, (laughs)
1: definitely. That's why I mentioned that earlier about going towards the things that we feel strong at, because I've, I came up in the fitness world. So, you know, I started as a personal trainer when I was 19 years old. And I'm very familiar with the fitness world and working in gyms and being around other personal trainers and group fitness instructors. It's such a classic scenario where people stay with the thing that makes them strong and then they teach other people that exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So let's say strength is my wheelhouse. I not only train that way, but I also teach everyone that I train to be strong. Great. You know, same thing if I'm a bodybuilder, same thing if I'm, uh, you know, more towards like, a let's say a CrossFit style workout, maybe I'm a kettlebell guy, you know, and there's nothing wrong with really knowing a tool and knowing it so well that you can teach it really well to somebody else. I, I'm a huge advocate of that. However, you know, the, the body craves variability, you know, the brain craves variety, like that's how we continue to grow. Otherwise, our system is just figuring out how to become more efficient at the same task so when we're talking about these concepts of longevity when we're talking about these concepts of to train to last that's where having variety and experiencing variability in the way in which we train and 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 utilize forces is going to be so important for not only how we continue to inhabit our bodies but also how our brain functions on a higher level as well so you know we just want to try to stay away from that stagnation point as much as possible but to go back to your original point it's interesting, whenever I first started teaching the Animal Flow certifications, I would teach them mostly to trainers. So I would teach them, you know, that was the goal in the beginning, that was kind of the, the business plan is, you know, let's educate people who educate people versus just going straight to general population or fitness enthusiasts. Let's go to the people who really, you know, have an audience already. So we would see right away that whenever, and again, this was 10 years, you know, let's say nine years ago when I first started teaching the certifications, it was uh, just 10 years ago whenever I, uh, from the creation of the program. But whenever I would start teaching the certifications, you would have these, you know, guys and girls who were just used to very linear movements, very, you know, gym movements. I push, I pull, I press, I squat, I dead. And then sometimes a twist and then you get them on the ground and they're like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> you know, they've never experienced the body that way before. And does it make them feel uncomfortable? Hell yeah, it does. It certainly does. But you can definitely tell the ones that go, it's almost immediate. You can like see this change in them where they either go, man, I can't do this well. I can't do it as well as I can do everything else. So it's either now become intimidating to me and I want to walk away, or it's become a new challenge that I want to dive deeper into. Mm -hmm. And you can, you know, sometimes that changes, but initially you can kind of see where these, these like self-defense mechanisms start to kick in and people sometimes get a little bit angry and a little bit annoyed. And, and they're just, they're so outside of their comfort. They just want to like crawl out of their skin and they're, they're the they're so used to being the dominant person, the strong person, the person that's successful. And it's, it's a, it's a really special place to, to um, watch someone go through that process and then see what they do with it as they come out on the other side.
0: What, I mean, do you have any, I don't know, conversations or, or, or interactions that you can like reflect on from like people who are like kind of caught up in like, you know, the duality of like good and bad, as opposed to being like, Hey, like it's all what it is. There's no good and bad. You know, the people who are kind of like beating themselves up in that way. Yeah. And,
1: you know, I think, I think our main goal when we're talking, when we're kind of painting the picture of the experience is creating a safe place for people to, to fail and it be okay. But then also a way in which we're, we want to create an environment where they can feel successful right away enough to where they go, oh, this is obtainable. So it's not like I'm never going to get there. It's not like it's so far out of my my range or my reach that I'll never get there. So it really is in how you communicate it, how you set the scene, how you paint the scenario, and then figure out, you know, what is it that is being the roadblock is presenting itself as the roadblock to that person is it physical is it mental is it a combination of the two and quite often it is the combination combination of the two but then also once the ego starts to show itself then you know that's that's where it becomes very tough to now begin to navigate those challenges because the ego is going oh man your 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 insecurities are showing your you know your weakness is showing you know, we can't do that, we can't have that, we can't be weak in front of all of these people, we can't not be good at something. But, you know, typically I I can't in those workshop scenarios have that one-on-one conversation. Again, it, it is in the environment that I try to create to allow them to feel safe there, to be able to fail. But what happens quite often is afterwards, and especially someone, after someone has spent some time practicing animal flow, and maybe has gotten into lots of other different modalities or styles or disciplines, they come back and they go, man, I'll never forget that moment when I realized I was really, really shit at something that I thought I was going to be really good at and how much it changed the trajectory of their path. You know, And it gave them something, uh, a mission. It gave them a journey. It gave them this ability to see their body as a, a vessel that they could continue to work at and not just think about adding five pounds to their deadlift or to their bench press. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once they have a whole new toolbox like that, a whole new vision of how they can inhabit their body, it's like, man, you've changed that person for life.
0: Mm. Right. It, it also potentially like gives that feeling of like, um, not, not even a feeling, just maybe a more of a respect of like the complexity of, of being human versus like just complicated answers to a, this complex solution.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I talk about quite often, you know, this spectrum of what would be considered biomotor, motor abilities, or you can also just think of them as physical abilities. That's a much easier way to look at that. So if you're looking at this spectrum or this scale or this, you know, graph or whatever, and you have all of these abilities like strength, power, speed, endurance, coordination, mobility, flexibility, stability, most people <clears throat> will spend the majority of, of the time pursuing one or two of those attributes. Right? So it's like, if I have the tendency to be strong, I'm going to go more towards the strength thing and everything else sucks because I'm not super good at it. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, ah, oh, I don't need to be flexible. I don't need to have good coordination because I'm really strong. But like you said, the the complexity of the body is so great that we can actually challenge and train all of these attributes, all of these abilities, and our body will be better for it because it has the capacity to be so multidimensional. So the type of training that we need to do in order to honor that system has to be multidimensional in nature. So we have to try to elicit a strength response, a power response, a speed response, coordination, endurance, mobility, flexibility. Like We have to to integrate all of that into our training. Now, at some point, can we can we gear our training more towards one specific attribute because we're going towards maybe some sort of skill acquisition? So maybe we're trying to acquire a strength skill, a mobility skill. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we still have to continue to look at the big picture. And so if we're spending too much time in any one of those pursuits, we're forgetting to honor the system and its complexities.
0: Right. And and I think you kind of said it there and the idea that they all overlap as well cuz again yeah. it's like it's it's you know again very western linear thinking of being like well now i'm going to work on strength and then i'm going to work on speed and then i'm going to work on coordination when it's like well no 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 like they all happen at the same time yeah you know? and 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 there's the the respect to that
1: yeah and and you know even when you're looking at anatomy you know the traditional style of teaching anatomy was the bicep flexes the elbow it's or or you know the origin is here the insertion is here this is the action this is the nerve that innervates um and especially over the, the or in contrast to that over the past you know 10 years i would say it's become a much more popular understanding that the body does not work in isolation the body always works as an integrated global unit so we can isolate to a degree but if we're looking at movement there's no you know there's no isolation in movement it's all of the muscles the fascial tissue the connective tissue it's everything the nervous system it's all working in unison so yeah maybe the bicep does this in isolation on a corpse but that's very different from what it does in a real body in real life with the forces that are being acted upon it, whether it be gravity or somebody else or an object, you know? So it's like, it, it, it's really cool now to see that just all the way across. And I, I can speak more so from the fitness industry because that's more of the, the, the world that I, that I'm kind of in. Um, but it's cool to see that, that that isolation training is not such, it's not the go-to anymore. It's like, well, you can still have a, a muscle, building response by doing movement training, you can still build symmetrical bodies, you can still change your body composition, you can still have all these great benefits that we were chasing after when we were doing these very linear training programs, you can still obtain very similar results uh, with movement training and with body weight training and with things that that used to be looked at as like, oh, well, that's that's not going to get my biceps swole or, you know, get my six pack abs.
0: Right, right. So is this kind of like some of the observations you were making, and maybe they were observations that you couldn't put words to in the way that you wanted to at the time, but was it these kind of observations that led you to be like, okay, I'm working with these people at a gym as like a trainer and teaching classes and things. And you're like, um, you know, where is the complexity? Like, I guess I'm curious, like maybe the, the, the jumping off point for the research into what became animal flow. Um, if it was this kind of thinking that started to to lead you there?
1: Yeah, and it it really came from my own exploration into different styles of training. And so it, it happened for me when I was, when I first turned 30 years old, I was in a place where most guys and a lot of girls now are where, or find themselves in, I should say, where You just want to lift heavy weights and get jacked and you know be as strong as you can and i i was considerably larger than i am now and i have to say like it just it stopped feeling good in my body you know i stopped i stopped feeling like i was inhabiting my body well i started feeling like you know there has to be a change and it really that's kind of where that whole thing of like the honoring the system came from i was like man i'm only expressing basically one ability and that's to lift heavy things. So what else can I challenge myself with and, and begin the exploration? And that's when I decided, okay, I'm gonna do only body weight stuff. So I'm going to get into calisthenics, I'm going to uh, start trying gymnastics. I I, I, I ha- got into parkour, I got into this hand balancing, I kind of dabbled in some circus arts, got into breakdancing, dancing and I just realized one again i was shit at everything and that was such a shocker to me at first i was like i thought i would be way more coordinated i've spent so many years doing functional training and working on my body uh but i had very little ability to to properly use my system so i was really inspired so that moment that i talked about earlier where you have that that fork in the road that line in the sand where you go all right, this either sucks now because I'm so bad at it, so I'm never going to do this again, or wow, here's an opportunity. I need to go further. Mm. That I came to that point and I just decided, all right, well, let me continue down this road. So I, what really had inspired me, you know, I think probably the most fire to look at all those different modalities was uh, parkour. So that was, to me, it, it just ticked a lot of boxes. It was There was a flow component. That's where I first learned animal locomotion. There was, you know, I love the idea of how energy transfers and using energy uh, in a way that allows me to to move with it versus against it. So there were a lot of foundational concepts that now are such a big part of my life, but at the time they were just being introduced to me. And I knew right away, like, man, if I'm experiencing so much so many things that i would consider to be advantageous to my body my clients could certainly benefit from this as well but they're they're not going to go and join uh, an adult gymnastics class they're not going to go join you know take a break dancing class or go to a parkour gym so how can i begin to integrate some of these concepts into their training sessions and it's you know so i would have someone you know gertrude on the ground doing like a six-step In between some other exercise and it was cool because i was i was able to 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 allow them you know to guide them outside of the traditional stuff that we were doing and kind of helping them uh, experience their body in a different way through the stuff that i was exploring at the same time so that was really the catalyst and the impetus to for creating the animal flow system was how can i create a system that's movement based that is mostly quadrupedal that allows someone to come in and again, feel successful right away. But if they dig it, they can get deeper into it, it can stand alone as its own system, or it can be pulled apart and used as tools, depending upon what the person's needs are. So that was the whole concept, like, let's, you know, and then it was just spending hours and hours and hours on the floor figuring out how the pieces fit together figuring out the rules of the system figuring out the language of the system and then just applying it teaching it in the one-on-ones that i was training and then also teaching it in uh some group classes that i was that i was putting on with some of the clients in the gym
0: um i want to bring up two things that we, you and i talked about when we first so after we we met at the block you and i ended up uh, meeting up for, I don't know, we must've walked and talked for like almost two hours. Um, we grabbed a coffee and walked around the park and just kind of vibed a little bit. And uh, what you were just talking about kind of reminded me of that conversation. And it, you started, you, you revealed to me that you came from this background of um, skateboarding, which I always thought was like mm. so interesting because I think people... Who skateboard and, and come from those type of like counterculture practices are just like so open to like tinkering and trying and failing and 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 just figuring it out. So I don't know when you said that to me, it made, it, it just got me imagining you like how you would dive into this creating this system coming from that that openness that kind of tinkering mind. But when we were on our walk, um, and I'll let you talk about this, but I asked you, I said, and I'm going to ask you again, I asked you, I said, "Hello, I have." you always had this kind of systematic mind that would like look at things and try to create kind of like a system around it. Um, and I thought the way you kind of dove into that was interesting. So I'd love to hear you like uh, go through that a little bit again, because I think it it's, it's revealing, I think, to how you you came about with your, with the animal flow system.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I actually want to back up a little bit and talk about the walk and talk that we had because <laughs> I, for me, it's always such, like, it's such a great way to get to know somebody. And, you know, we have the luxury of being in the same town. And I have to say, I get, <laughs> this is going to sound possibly odd, but I get a lot of podcast requests, right? And and especially since COVID. And I usually do my research on the person and, and you know, listen to their podcast, let's see who the guests are. But here, this was such a great opportunity. So when you asked me about the podcast, my first response to you was, let's go on a walk and talk first. Like, let's, let's get to know each other a bit first. And then I think that will only enrich the experience that we will have when we're actually doing your podcast. So uh, I, I will always take that opportunity if something presents itself like that, to where it's like, hey, can you can we get to know each other a little bit better? And one of the best ways to do that is is some sort of, you know, like, let's just go for a walk. Let's just go grab a coffee, grab a tea, take a walk together. So anyways, that was cool. And and we had a lot of similarities and and there was a lot of things that that vibed right away. And so now to get to to your question, I grew up as a skateboarder and as a musician. So two of those things that are like, especially when the type of musician i was growing up like at the the prime of grunge music so i was you know i was i was in a band and we were playing you know deftones and tool and and you know we we're all really into nirvana and you know it was just it was that time in music and uh so that really shaped who I was, what I thought was cool. You know, it really kind of became a big, a big part of my, my identity and my personality. And even before that, I grew up from the time that I was, you know, 10 years old, I think I was skateboarding. And those two cultures are really, really similar, you know, and so they, 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 they mesh with each other very well. And the thing that was really interesting to me about skateboarding is it it is a, tribal experience because skateboarders tend to hang out with skateboarders but it can also be a really solo endeavor so you can you can just go and skate by yourself you can sit in a parking lot and just you know skate for hours and try new tricks and do you know and just 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 explore um, but even when you're in that group it's like everyone is together doing their own individual skill practice you know so like even though we're all hanging out you're working on a flick kickflip, you're working on, you know, ollieing over that trash can, you're working on, you know, um, doing a handrail or whatever, but we're all hanging out together. So we're all experiencing this, this, this pursuit of becoming better skateboarders. But it's, it's an individual pursuit that we're just doing in a group. And, you know, music, it has some similarities to that, because you do have to spend so much time practicing your skill, so that you can better play with other people and you can make music with other people you can you can work off of them you can rip off riff off of them you can you really feel that collective energy building something together so they are similar ways but they definitely um they shine light on each other i think is a a really nice way to say it so that that really set the foundations for a lot of things that i would then go on to do in my life and you know One, I understood the self-practice thing. Two, I understood the importance of community and that feeling of being in a tribe. Uh, but the third thing, and this is the thing that that I mentioned, is, and I don't know exactly where this came from, but I understand systems. I think that's one thing that that I that just maybe innately, when I see something, I can go, "Oh, that makes sense to me now because I can see the system behind it." And I I always like to say, you know suffer through the structure in order to conquer the chaos. And what I mean by that is, and I like to use the analogy. And I think I even mentioned to this this to you when we were when we were hanging out is, you know, if if I hand someone a guitar and I say, and they've never played guitar before and I say, all right, play me a song that expresses your emotion, they're gonna be like, what the what are you talking about? Like I've never even picked up a guitar before. However, if I said, okay, I'm going to teach you three chords, you're going to practice those three chords, and then I'm going to ask you to freestyle and show me a way in which, you know, that represents how you feel. Now that person can take those three chords and they can put them in multiple uh, combinations. They can put them in multiple, um, you know, um, uh, uh, (laughs) they can put them in different uh, organized positions. You know, they can strum one, the G chord longer. They can, Go to D, they can. So it's, it's like, you know, you give them the tools, you suffer through the structure, so that then the chaos is free flow, it's jamming, it's exploration, it's all of those things, right? So it, that's always been my approach. It's, yeah, let's get to the point to where we can just have freedom. But in order for us to get to freedom, let's give structure. And so within, practice within dedicated structure, we can then find freedom. And I know that's not that's not everyone's approach, especially when we're looking at this kind of like movement world. And you know, for example, today it was really nice in the class that I that I was able to um to attend of yours. The cool thing about the concept of play that I've always really enjoyed is that one, it allows people to get into positions that they may not have thought that they would be able to get into. It allows them to explore ranges that maybe they felt uncomfortable just doing. If you just say, hey, do this thing or squat or, you know, do a lunge or, you know, like the thing that we give a name around versus hey, dodge this ball, and now they find themselves in a squat, they find themselves in a lunge, they find themselves bending and rotating, they find themselves doing all these things in the name of a task or because a task got them there. And they're laughing, they're having fun, they're breathing hard. So it's like they're – it's so cool to see two very different approaches. And, you know, that's – again, that that complexity of the body, it shows itself right there. Like it can certainly benefit from the structure – by going that way to find the chaos, which is what we are doing today, which is I see as the chaos, mm-hmm. or you just bring them in through the play into the chaos and you find that there, there's certain structure there. So it's like, it's really cool to have those different ways of approaching the same end goal.
0: Mm-hmm. So when you, with respect to like your, because basically making music and um, skateboarding are, are really playful things even at the most serious of times it's like it's it comes from this like element of play so then how did you kind of play with the ideas of like the animal flow ideas and systems as you're kind of like laying on the floor and crawling on the floor and being like okay like what starts to to fit into this universe that i'm putting together like what were almost like i don't know what were the planets and the orbits and the moons starting to look like as you were kind of laying there, like playing with it the same way you thought, like, oh, like, oh, here, here are the four chords that are going to get me jamming mm-hmm. to start, you know, what What did that start to look like?
1: Yeah, so I, from the time that I started as a personal trainer, I, I had already spent many years working out, and it was funny, because I would, <laughs> I would be like the the grungy musician kid skateboarder kid that also would train really hard which was really unusual but then my friends started training too and and you would have these like kind of jacked little skateboard thugs <laughs> 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 which was just really odd and, and cool and funny uh and and we would sometimes train with my dad my dad was was really into lifting weights he always had been my entire life so whenever i started and actually, uh, I had hired a trainer when I was—I uh, had left. I grew up in Kentucky. I left Kentucky as soon as I graduated high school, and I was—I moved to LA, and I hired a trainer there because I just wanted to learn more. And he was so inspiring. He he taught me so much about nutrition. Taught me so much about the body. I was just like, man, I want to do what you do. You know, I I want to have that knowledge that you have. So that really amped me up. It really ignited me. I decided I want to become a personal trainer. And from day one, I was just like, I want all the information. Give me all the information. I want to, I want to know anatomy. I want to know how the system works. I want to just like geek out. So I had, you know, 11 12 years of being a super, super nerd when it came to the body. And so I took everything that I knew about anatomy, fascial lines, biomechanics, all these different aspects of the human system and figured out and that was like the lens in which I was using to look at the animal flow movements is okay, you know, if I'm in this position, what tissue lines are being loaded what is the the joint that's articulating with the next joint? How can we optimize that joint, especially if if someone has, let's say, a computer posture or something that would be considered an upper cross syndrome, you know, so it's it was like I was looking at it from that lens versus looking at it from, uh, well, this looks cool, this looks, this feels cool. you know so so that 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 was the, again, like like that allowed me, To have this different vision of the movements, which was, you know, okay, yes, as I look at the bigger picture, this, everything starts to fill in, the gaps start to fill in, but I have to first look at it at the micro, and I I have to decide if this movement isn't beneficial to the human animal, then I'm not going to use it just because it looks cool, or if this, you know, let's say it looks like another movement that's very popular, you know, some of our movements look yogic in nature, let's say, um, I had to look at that movement and go, all right, if there's similarities, what are the main differences? So why is this particular yoga posture? What, what, how do they teach it? Why do they teach it this way? If this has similarities, what are the the main differences? And why do we teach it this way? You know, what is the end goal that we're trying to to obtain out of this movement? And so it, it, it was, it was like, And I guess I'm going back to that analogy of of having these different glasses on, it was just like, all right, how can we begin to construct these movement possibilities for people in a way that would have a elicit a very specific response from their body, which may be different once the entire piece is put together. So maybe, you know, once they're in flow, they're they're possibly experiencing the flow state. Now the benefits completely change because we're no longer we're no longer thinking about the mechanics of the body. Now we're thinking about the experience.
0: Right, that's so interesting. I, I feel like I saw a video recently where it was talking about like say, saying something to the effect of like you know, flow is a really special place to get to because now we're hitting we're getting to play with that play to play excuse me play in that place of like um how would you how would we can say it I, I'm reading the book um the inner game of tennis. I don't know if you've read it. No. Uh, it's a good book. Um, it applies to everything, but I, that place he calls it, um, like relaxed concentration. Yeah. Right. Um, and I saw another video recently where it was like, Hey, that place of relaxed concentration is really an interesting place to be. In, and we want to go there and, and play with that because it's an important here and now thing, but don't confuse that necessarily with like it being the place of where learning is happening. Because they're are mm, kind mm-hmm. of two different places, and we want to play with both of them, but like the 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 place where like the gears are really turning, and where we're really thinking and kind of being in that kind of structure before the chaos, kind of maybe, yeah, um, yeah. is it, it? They're they're kind of two different places, and and one kind of feeds into the next, and then maybe it re- returns us back to the other one.
1: Absolutely. So the way in which I see that that process in animal flow, it's, you know, when, when you have someone who's first learning and it's technique driven and it's, you know, they're trying to acquire this skill and they're thinking, what's my left hand, what's my right hand? Because, you know, we use this language, right leg, under switch, left leg, side kick through, whatever. Um, They're so concentrated on the task, which is amazing because it really allows someone to let everything else go, right? So to let all the other clutter go, all the other Noises, voices, beeps, everything else that's happening in their brain, it just allows them to focus on one task and they're so in it. And I love that concentration, that learning. But eventually it's our goal to get them to the point to where they can free flow, they can turn off, they can allow their body to almost be on autopilot. But like you said, have a heightened sense of what's happening. But there's, no, there's, there's only a certain amount – or the, I should say the struggle is minimized. It's, it's diminished because they're so into what they're doing. And I've been experiencing that a lot recently. I, uh, just to, to kind of have a segue, I've been snowboarding a lot in the trees, which when you're, when you're snowboarding like in trees – you have to have that super heightened awareness, but you also have to be so relaxed at the same time, right? So there's nothing else that can enter your mind other than, oh shit, I hope I don't hit that tree that's right in front of me. What do I need to do? How do I need to react? And you have this sensation of of really being connected to nature and playing with it versus working against it hopefully,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: if you make it through um, without actually hitting a tree. But it, it is very much that sense of like, I'm I'm in it, I have to be 100% present, there's nothing else that can be in my mind. But if I'm too rigid, I can't make it through these obstacles. Mm-hmm. So you have to have this pliability, this malleability, this, this sense of relaxation, but still be ultra, ultra uh, in tune with what's happening. And so like you said, it doesn't, it's not like it's black and white, you know, uh, you could say, okay, I'm learning slash conditioning here, here. I'm practicing here. I'm uh free form flowing. Like, yeah, you can, you can break it down into smaller compartments, but the truth is, like you said, at the very beginning of this conversation are, it's always all things. Sometimes it's just different percentages of them,
0: you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's an interesting thing. It's like, um, you know, people, I I feel like the flow thing is such a uh, it's very in fashion. And I think sometimes, you know, it gets, I I don't know, the lines get blurry, you know what I mean? And I think it's a really powerful place because it's like um, it's a meditative place, you know, it's a real, like, you're not thinking about how you're doing it, you're just doing it. And Mm -hmm. there are only, I don't know, I feel like it becomes less and less frequent depending on how you exist. Where that happens, where maybe it's just walking or brushing your teeth, but getting to that place with some of these other things like music, like skateboarding, like animal Mm -hmm. flow is a really, um, yeah, it, 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 and maybe it's a transferable skill once you get to play with it in those places as well.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think another good example of this is, you know, you and I both have taken Alex's top rock classes. You know, so where it's like, all right, so. Let's say if you learn three movements and when I say top rock for anyone who doesn't know, it's just, uh, you know, it's kind of like the top, the standing dance portion of break dancing. So it's before you go down to the floor. So, you know, if, if you know three different steps, then if you practice those steps and then we just turn on some music and we go, all right, you know, free flow, some top rock using those three steps, come up with whatever variations you want then there it is cool because you do have the structure you now have the freedom and then it's just time and consistency that's going to allow you more and more freedom in your flow Mm -hmm. right so then it's just going all right well cool the more I do this the more I'll be able to smooth out those edges and the more intuition the more intuitive everything will feel and it will become automatic I can no, no longer have to think about it I can actually go with the beat I can go with the flow of the music um which means that there is some preliminary work that goes into that right so there's some preliminary work and there has to be the extension of that work into specific practice that allows us the freedom over time which i think could be comparable but also an opposing approach to like what we were talking about of the play we were doing in the park today which is you know here's the task You don't have to know anything else other than try not to allow the ball to hit you, (laughs) right? You don't have to know anything else. And yes, is there going to be a learning curve? A hundred percent. Are you going to get better at it with time? A hundred percent. But there's no like preliminary stuff. We don't have to teach you anything. It's just, hey, here's the task. Let's play so it, it is a really cool again i'm going back to, i'm repeating myself but it is a really cool thing to look at these different approaches to inhabiting our bodies skill acquisition movement and just realizing that there's a place for everything
0: yeah you do something else in your class and i mentioned it to you today i think it was like the first thing i said because it was like at the front of my brain and it was the thing that i think i connected with first despite having coming from a movement background where i've done a lot of like locomotive movements and, and ground movement despite that, the thing that I connected with quickly was your invitation for people to collaborate. And I think that that's something that's not witnessed as much in the fitness world. Granted, I haven't been into a, a, you know, a gym for a class in a really long time, but my experiences were often like, it was like, it was a little more in isolation. Here's your mat kind of stay in your box or your space. And you gave people the invitation, Hey, um, grab grab a partner and watch each other do it and give some feedback, help one another. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that something that's always kind of existed in your approach to teaching? I'm also curious, is that something that you kind of share with your instructors as being like, hey, like this is a really powerful uh, tool for not just um, learning for the person who's struggling, but also learning for the person who's teaching?
1: Yeah. And I have to say, one of the things that I'm most proud of with the animal flow system is the community aspect. And we have, I mean, we have thousands of instructors all over the world who want to hang out with each other. It's like, they it really is this family. And before, uh, you know, pre-COVID when traveling was a thing you would have, you know, someone go to Dubai and be like, hey, are there any other animal flow instructors here? And then, you know, they would get together and jam and then hang out and they would create these bonds and friendships. And that was just always part of our program. That was always part of the system. It is community. We're all all brothers and sisters in animal flow. So it was really important to me when teaching class, especially the kind of intermediate to advanced class where you have people that have been our instructors. You have people who have been doing it for years. You have people who it's their first introduction to it. You have people that, again, are coming from other disciplines. So it's really cool to, to allow them a place where everyone feels like they're on the same page, like everyone's level, right? So whether it's your first day or you've been doing it for for eight years, you're on the same place because we're all exploring together. And it allows someone who has a little bit more experience to hone their abilities to communicate to somebody else and to be a better teacher. It allows the person who's being taught to not feel like they're the only person there who doesn't know this thing. It allows them to really be like, all right, I feel safe here. I feel, I feel comfortable. I feel like I'm being held by the entire class versus being like the one person who's in the corner trying to hide that they don't know what they're doing. So yeah, it, it, it is a strategy in one sense, but it's also a way to, to kind of communicate to them right away that this is a community. This is a community of people who want to help each other out. And you're going to experience it in class as well as on social media, as well as on any, you know, in any other interactions that you have with other people that are into this thing.
0: Yeah. It's a very, it's a very counterculture movement thing that like, I feel like I cross paths with it in like, you know, you see it in surfing, you see it in rock climbing, you see it in jujitsu a little bit more of like, yeah, there's like a teacher or a facilitator, but then there's also the community that's all playing its role and helping lift everybody up as opposed to everybody kind of being on their own island and being like i don't know i guess i'll i'll jump on a raft when it comes by yeah yeah yeah
1: exactly and you know that it's in our dna you know we want to be part of the the tribe right we want to be part of the community um and especially when you feel like all the hands there are open to you and they're all saying, yeah, come in, like come as you are, you know, as, uh, and there's just, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than, than like, and this, you know, you've, you've heard this a million times, but meeting someone where they are, you know, and not expecting any more from them, you know, mm-hmm. not expecting them to be better, to know the thing, to, to step up, if you will, it's just, yeah. However you present yourself today, that's exactly where you need to be.
0: Have you, and you've kind of alluded to like, you know, the the dogma of movement. Um, and we talked a little bit about this during our like walk and talk. Have you felt ever people in the animal flow community in the animal flow world becoming super dogmatic about it being the way and the only way? And if so, what has been kind of your approach or non-approach to like like the potential dogmatization of, of your system?
1: Yeah. So we, we are, you know, we're, we're very specific with the technique of the movements. We're very specific with what we call the call out language. So that's our, our language and how we would call it out to somebody else. And you see that there's a, a certain Wrong or that's not how you say that. It's always, oh, I believe that we can help you by getting, you know, maybe try this instead. I think that the call out is this. So uh, let's, you know, let's ask somebody else. And so I, we never see anyone becoming super dogmatic about it. But as far as integrating other systems, I think this is kind of, you know, what we were talking about before. I am such an advocate of exploring every style of movement, right? So like, you know, do it all, explore it all, uh, integrate it because everything, you know, I love to see things integrated. And to me, to be honest, like watching someone who is truly on their way to mastering, I say on their way, because of course we're never going to master movement. But as you're seeing someone who's at a higher understanding of movement, when they can have a strong floor game have a strong quadrupedal game, have a strong bipedal game, and have a strong aerial game. So if you're able to kind of be able to go in all those different levels, that to me is so interesting. That to me is someone that that has like truly inhabited their body and has truly un- understood not only how to have a conversation with the floor uh, in full contact, have a conversation with the floor just hands and feet, have a contact conversation with the floor just standing upright but then also leaving the ground like to me that's just like that's the pinnacle right so i'm i'm such an advocate of saying yeah explore all the things because i would never go oh yeah it's just this way you only need animal flow that's all you're gonna need the rest of your life because that's just simply not true yeah, it's a, it's a great system. I think it's great. I'm a fan of it. I think it's cool, but it's not the only thing. And it's certainly not going to tick every single box that we need as these very complex human beings. Uh, the only thing that we ask, and, and you know, it can become such a weird world where a movement world where people see something and immediately their brain does what it does, which is I need to associate that thing that I see and I need to classify it. So we get all the time where people will see something and they don't know anything about animal flow. So they just go, Oh, that's capoeira. That's breakdancing. That's yoga. That's, you know, so they just immediately, they had this, like the brain has to classify things. So what we do as a way to kind of protect the integrity and the message behind our system, we just say, look, if you've learned this system from us and Uh, you're going to like you let's say on social media is because social media because that's the world we live in if you're going to say I'm practicing animal flow then all we ask is that you practice the movements that you learn from us if you're if you're practicing movement then just don't say I'm practicing animal flow like say I'm practicing movement I'm practicing you know whatever you learn I'm practicing you know like give try to if it's appropriate, give credit to where you learn the thing. And if not, then just say you're practicing movement. So that's the only thing that we ask. Is like, you know, if you learn it from us and it's just purely the stuff that you're that you that you're you're learned from us, great, call it animal flow because that's what you learned it as. If you're integrating anything else, which we highly recommend that you do, just don't claim that it's only animal flow, because then that's dishonoring all the other modalities that that you know use similar movements but i mean truly and you know this kyle we've talked about this before it comes down to the fact that all movements will eventually have similarities like the human body has an incredible amount of ways that it can move but it still is slightly limited so eventually things are going to look like other things so what the, what, what differentiates one from the other is what is the reason the person is doing that movement? What is the goal of that movement? What is the intention of that movement? And how is it servicing them? So that's how we can make the clear like definition of <laughs> where a movement is coming from. What is the purpose of that movement? Because you, we just have to ex- accept that no one owns movement. You can't claim that one movement started with one person or one system. The human body is designed to move. It's been doing that since the creation of the human body.
0: <laughs> right, right. Like all the things that we're doing now were definitely done in some degree a thousand years ago.
1: A hundred percent, right? Yeah. The The difference, of course, would be like when you see a, a gymnast that does a, a something that has never been done before, an extreme athlete, sports athlete who does something that's never been done before. So, yes, are we still continuing to push the limits? A hundred percent. But you can't say that a thousand years ago, no one was doing a, uh, mimicking an animal, or, or you know, doing a kick, or doing some sort of hand balance. Mm-hmm. Come on, you right. know. I mean, you know, chances are if you're alive to have this argument right now, you probably didn't create a movement that's never been done before.
0: Right. That should be our. That should be the 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 new podcast. I should make a podcast that says create a movement that's never been done before. And we'll just spend the entire series trying to be like, well, let's just piece this one movement together that is, has yet to be performed and find the way to do it. That's the, that would be the entire investigation. Yeah, well, so mu- a- but, so, but so much of it comes down to creativity. I mean, I think that's really like, you know, it's not necessarily, it's not the external, it's the internal that makes it mm. unique or different or special or, or, you know, never been done before. It's the, yeah. how that whole kind of thing comes together. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, who are the people that you look to? Cause you, you know, you mentioned, you know, when you look at somebody and if they move well on the floor and they can move uh, well on their feet and they can be in the air, all the, the qualities that you were saying that, that really, you know, kind of make a holistic mover in your mind. Who are some of the people that you look at now that you find Motivating or inspiring, or they're just doing something interesting that you 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 feel like a little bit of like uh, draw to to what they're up to. Uh,
1: you know, I have a I have a couple of friends uh, or people you know that I certainly look up to in in the industry or you know in the space I should say, not the industry, in the space. But I think someone who comes to mind that that we both know would be Marlo. I think Marlo Fiskin. I mean, she talk about someone who really inhabits her body i mean she her floor game is unreal you know her quadrupedal game her bipedal game and then what she can do on pole what she can do aerial wise like man i mean she's she is just such a talented mover and someone who really has a, a very very dense movement vocabulary mm-hmm.
0: And the, and a willingness to like move between worlds
1: quickly yeah. and,
0: and, and comfortably hundred percent. Yeah. Like, and um, uh, cause I always think to myself, like, you know, what, what embodies like um, a high level mover to me. And I always think that it's like somebody who is creative and resourceful. Mm. And, and I see that in, in Marlo as well. Right. You can, balance between a lot of different environments and, and do it comfortably and, and switch gears quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And do it really well. And look super graceful doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then what are then the, the next, I don't know, I guess, what are the investigations for you? Like where, where, you know, does, does animal flow add new things to it? Or do you, are you in the process of developing a new system or is it just continuing to, to play and investigate?
1: Yeah. So, Animal Flow, we the system has certainly evolved, and it will continue to evolve, but it's a very slow evolution. So, what I mean by that is, you know, we're we're in no rush to start adding more movements and you know figuring out ways ways in which we can expand the library. It's it's instead, how can we add more value to the movements that we have? So how can we add a deeper understanding of the movements that we have? How can we find more of a scientific rationale for the benefits of the movements that we have? So that, that is, and then also being sure that there, and this is more so with the language, but being sure that there aren't these gray areas because you can have, uh, you know, people kind of not arguing, but, but very uncertain on the clarity of like, what a certain call out means or how you would call this out. Because I'm saying, I'm talking about this call out language as if people know it, but (laughs) you think of it literally as another language. So it would be, okay, in this case, can I say this or can I say that? So what we're trying to do with the system is get to the points where there are no more gray areas and that we've provided as many resources as possible to every person that's either a certified instructor, someone who's going to be a certified instructor, or someone who's just an enthusiast of the animal flow uh, practice. Mm -hmm. And then for me personally, I'll continue my own exploration of dance because that's, that's the thing right now that's really filling me up. And it's the thing that's like really adding value to my overall body practice. So right now it's, contemporary and it's it's getting back into breakdancing so my current skill that i'm working on right now uh, is windmills as you know
0: oh yeah we've been uh partnered up on the windmill yes mm-hmm.
1: windmills are hard man yeah, it,
0: yeah. Is, it is super challenging as we and as we were saying um it's this funny i guess it's a dichotomy where like we're in this position, especially, so for people who don't know, like in breakdancing, there's the power moves, which is, um, I don't know, all the explosive momentum-driven movements. And for people like us, there's some familiarity there in some of the positions, but it's kind of the space between the the two familiar positions is the space that's super unfamiliar. So as we were saying, it's like, we'll, we'll feel like we're in like, the college course and we've like graduated in a couple places. And then in between, we're like, oh, we're back in kindergarten. And it's this yeah. weird, like kind of like wave that we ride. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And those and when you are feeling relatively competent and then all of a sudden you're you're so far down, it's just like, where? And I always I, I, I was saying this uh, uh, to to Alex and also to you, it's like, I just find these places where I'm like, where are my legs at? (laughs) Who took my legs? (laughs) Like, I have no idea. I go to do this, this movement and all of a sudden I've lost complete control with the lower half of my body. And, And it's just, it's funny because the specificity there is so, I mean, it's so apparent, right? I mean, we may have all of this awareness when we're trying these different movements or doing movements that we're very familiar with, but in something that's so dynamic that happens so fast it's really easy especially in the beginning to lose that awareness to have no idea Mm -hmm. and be okay with it
0: yeah exactly (laughs) um one more thing i know you're like you're super busy and it only came to mind because you were just you were talking about music and i don't know like you're talking about like all my old like my like favorite music and you mentioned tool and I don't know. I assume you must have been as excited as I was when Tool finally made it onto like Spotify and all the things, because like you oh could like couldn't listen to Tool anymore.
1: I, I listened to Tool for like two months straight as soon as I found out that they were on Spotify. Yeah, and I couldn't believe that they they actually like finally transitioned onto Spotify. And uh, yeah, I'm a huge Tool fan. And it was funny. I saw the other day that you had posted something in the park, and I think you said in the post that you were listening to Tool.
0: And I was like, yeah, Kyle. Dude, I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's a funny thing, cause I want to get to my main point, but I was like, I was thinking about how I hadn't listened to them since, cause I didn't have any of their CDs or anything. I just listened to them on the radio and like, however I, I don't know, however I listened to them. And then like digital age came in and then I realized I was like, oh, maybe I've listened to like a song here and there over the last 20 years. And then when I got to listen to it all again, I was like, oh man, like, like, I don't know. I felt like, um, some, like, it was almost like finding a treasure that I had buried and I forgot where I buried it and then mm-hmm. stumbling upon it and being like, look at all this gold, <laughs> you know, <laughs>
1: that's such a great analogy. It's so true. It's mm-hmm. so true. I mean, especially yeah, as you dive into like all of their albums, it's, uh, you, there's just such, there's such great music there.
0: I said, someone was trying to get me to describe Tool to them and like without having ever seen fish play, but just knowing about fish and how people follow fish. I was like, I would almost describe Tool as like the metal version of fish. Like they have that kind of following in that way.
1: Yeah, so like if you're into them, you're really into them.
0: Right, and if people aren't into them, they're really not into them. (laughs) Yes, exactly but I bring it up because I was like, you know, uh, now that I could listen to them and because like you, I've started really exploring dance and things like that. And I, and I don't know, I've been fascinated with like mental states and different ways of like, kind of like being affected by external sources that affect whatever I'm doing in the practice. Right. And music is obviously one of them. And, and you saw that the, video, I posted a video of me, like, Dancing and jamming to Tool, and I don't know. I guess I'm I'm curious with your exploration of dance, like what and and even I assume when you're when you're doing Animal Flow as well, like your experience with like mental states and how it affects your approach and and your creativity. Um, yeah, if you have any thoughts on it, only because Tool took me there recently, and uh, and I love them.
1: Yeah, it's you know it's really interesting with my personal practice. When I'm practicing just animal flow, I have a tendency to not listen to music. I have a tendency to, to really just connect with my breath. And I'll quite often practice in total silence. And it's just me breathing. But whenever I do turn on music, I'm like, oh yeah, like I definitely want to flow to this music. You know, so then it, it just it's like opening up a whole new chapter for me or you know, a whole new door. It's like, oh, you can also do this. Whereas with dance, you know, it's like, it's for the most part, always integrated with music and connected with music and bringing some sort of intention. Like you may come in with a certain feeling, you may have some intention for your practice, you may be in a bad mood, but then depending on the music, depending on the energy of the group, depending upon the your practice, all of that can change, right? So all of those are major factors in the experience. And you know, that's that's what I love about, you know, just as an example, when someone's like, oh, what's your favorite country? Because I've done so much travel. I'm like, depends, <laughs> depends you know, it's so experiential. You know, that's, that's just like life, there's so many factors that make an experience that you walk away with. And then those factors also play into how the memory folds of that, or molds, I should say, of that experience. So I, I always like to go into a practice with as much of a clean slate as possible. So, you know, I'll go in and maybe I'll have some intention as far as like what I want to try to accomplish, but no, go in knowing that that could completely change as the experience begins to unfold. And again, having that freedom is really nice and not being too strict, too rigid, not holding too tight on what the expected outcome you think should be. Uh, it really just allows you to take in all those factors and have have an outcome that seems appropriate.
0: Right, it's like when you have that mindset, and I think it was, you said something similar to this when we met up for our walk and chat, and that's why I brought you the book that I brought you. Yeah. Um, I brought you Finite and Infinite Games, which is like one of my favorite reads, but it was like, you, you made a comment like this that made me think like, oh, I think Mike would dig this book. I think it's like in the wheelhouse, but you're, you're, you you know, so many people I think have the tendency and I know that I've been guilty of it at different times where it's like, it's almost like the intention is so strong that there's this, like this overwhelming urge to force everything to happen and not respect all the other things that are playing a role in this interaction that I'm about to have with whatever space and time I'm, I'm inhabiting. Right. Right. And, and, And that can be tragic and i guess you know like today we were outside practicing for instance and it's almost like if we try to force it too hard we're ignoring that like well the wind is blowing and that plays a role and then there's someone to my right and then there's someone behind this other person and then the sun's over here and we need to like respect all of those things and and let Mm -hmm. that all just play a role in how this game that we're playing unfolds as opposed to being like, I must do it exactly this way. Yeah. And then if I try to do it exactly this way, all of a sudden the sun's blinding me because I was like, <laughs> I wasn't willing to like you know switch gears a little bit and ride the mm-hmm. wave.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And knowing that, it's, it, it gives you even more power, right? It gives you even more power to be present versus mm-hmm. expecting an outcome.
0: Yeah, I always think of uh, like, um, and I use the term a lot, like Alan Watts's idea of like the the controlled accident, mm-hmm. which is I think uh, the other day when in, in Alex's class he was like, oh, you know, do, do you want to describe? Because I'm going to be teaching a class at the block starting this week, and he was like, oh, do you want to like quickly describe it to everybody? And I was like, ah, uh, it's a 75 minute controlled accident, but it's like the idea of like welcoming surprise, um, yeah. which I think is 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 pretty cool to hear you talk about. Um, is there anything, if people want to connect with you, how, how are the best ways and what are the things to look forward to?
1: Yeah. So if, uh, animalflow.com is, is our website and on that you can find more, you know, about the program and the system, but also we have, uh, an on-demand platform, uh, which is like a subscription-based channel. And we have flows, classes, tutorials. There's a corresponding app that goes with that. Uh, on IG, it's Animal Flow Official. And then I'm mikefitch.af. So that's those are all the ways that we can communicate and connect. But um, yeah, man, thanks for having me.
0: Dude, it's such a pleasure. And I have to say, it's really been uh, cool to get to connect and, and and chat in all these different ways and in-person, virtual, all the stuff and partner up in groups and be in your classes. You come and jam with me. It's uh, the it's rare... Uh, circumstance considering the way the world is at the moment
1: yeah and I feel very fortunate for it as well and I look forward to continuing to do so
0: killer man have a great day I think I will be seeing you on Friday for your class
1: excellent buddy I'll see you there later later come